the superstars scratching your head saying, oh, he's probably not talking about me. I am definitely talking about you. AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura, Kevin Owens, Randy Orton, Jinder Mahal, Seth Rollins, Samoa Joe, Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns. You line them up, I will knock every one of them down. You said that I don't work hard, John Cena. Let me tell you, I worked so hard in that same ring that you were standing there that I got hurt. And while you were off in Hollywood playing your movies or whatnot, and now you decide to come back. So what do we do? We run commercials for two months. John Cena coming back on July the 4th, Independence Day. Well, I'm sitting at home rehabbing my shoulder, working as hard as I can, thinking, well, Rusev, where's your comeback commercials? You're talking about opportunities, but I tell you now, you're not going to take any opportunities from me. Your American dream is nothing but a lie, just like America is a joke. Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to another edition of, it is, well, another wrestling podcast. The one thing the internet did not have enough of. It's called Top Marks. I'm Justin Morissette. I'm joined once again by my friend and yours. Wow, I've got to have so many friends. Yeah. Do you want me to say my At name At least here? like 30. Yeah, yeah. That is, uh, actually, yeah, that's a pretty good number of friends. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we were up to close to 50 or so. Whoa! Last week. Are you popular if you have fifty? Fr- I feel it depends how close they are. Yeah, right? I mean that's a pretty big party if you were to invite them all over, probably. Yeah, I, I had a birthday party once that like breached on forty people. I was like, oh boy! You just invited every single person you know. Uh, no, that would bring me to about fourteen. I think oh, this okay. this was uh, beyond that. I got every- people to bring people. They yeah, knew. yeah, their friends also. I rented friends. Friends of friends. Speaking of friends, uh, acquaintances, I got, many would call those. They were a lot of pure strangers. <laughs> they were people I'd never encountered before in my life. Just like the listeners. Out Just there. like so. Hey, it's good to be here. Did you say your name or not? I, don't I think didn't. You did. Hello, everybody. All my new friends. My name's Josh Custodio. <laughs> Welcome to Top Marks. It's a big pod feel this week, Josh. Oh my goodness. It, it grows and grows week by week, the feel of this pod and its bigness. Yeah, it's. It, I don't think it could get any bigger. It's one of those like break the ring style pod feels. Braun and Big Show style. Absolutely. Justin, I have to uh, I have to ask you a question off the top here. I don't mean, I don't mean to derail us. I don't mean to interrupt. But Shoot, brother. I, I got to ask a question here. Go for it. Would you rather be shot in the head or... Listen to the other episode of Top Marks. Now, here, here is the episode description for the most recent episode. The other podcast called Top Marks. Well. I mean, they hardly exist. But yes, to those who haven't been following, there is a, uh, another podcast called Top Marks. And let me tell you, it's be glad you're here. Because I listened to, I think it was 30 seconds of it last week and heard everything I needed to. So, so here's, here's the description. Are you ready? We are the NWO. They are the NWO 2000. Oh, I love it. They're the Harris Brothers. <laughs> The Top Marks crew decided to pick their top wrestlers from the past with plenty of fantasy booking. Uh, that's that's the description. That's the description. I don't know. I, I count me out on that. One. <laughs> you know what? I shoot me in the head. <laughs> that's what I was hoping for. <laughs> I don't want you to die, but 
Uh, I still haven't listened to them. I never plan to. Do you think I'm too invested in this? I, don't, I, I think it's a one-sided affair, and, oh, the, no and that if we had a match, it would be a squash in our favor. Well, there's like 700 of them, though. I mean, they, they have like 100 friends sitting around a table shouting oh, over each other. Really? Okay, that's why there's so many downloads. Is because that like they have all 700 of their hosts promoting it. I don't think they really have any downloads. Well, they're though. ahead of us on the charts when you look. Up Not on my list. app. Only on really? your app. Yeah, really? we pop up first on Downcast. Ooh. Ooh, interesting. Well, hopefully iTunes will soon follow suit. But, uh, <laughs> Josh, we did something exciting this past week that we can tease. It's going to drop next week. Oh, man, that was good. Yeah, this past weekend, you and I got to go out to the ECCW training facility uh, out in uh, New West or Surrey. I'm not Surrey, sure exactly yeah. where it was. I drove, but yeah, it was Surrey. Surrey. Uh, and, yeah, we talked to a bunch of local wrestlers and got hyped for the big show that's coming up at the Commodore Ballroom on July 15th, of course. Even if you're not in Vancouver, even if you are not an ECCW fan, I think even if you're just a fan of uh, wrestling, never mind just indie wrestling, there's going to be a lot of stuff in that show that you're going to be interested to hear. Yeah, I think what was cool is we sort of got a sampling of people at different stages of their career from some higher-up management at ECCW to GFW champions to people a little bit more on the, the up and up. I'm excited. I had a great time. It, we did the interviews in an old WCW ring. And, yeah. Uh, it felt very special to me. I genuinely really enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, you got to be in a ring for the first time in your life. Yeah, yeah, which is very cool. I felt great. Did you enjoy it? I, I think it's amazing that we went through that entire show without even mentioning that Dalton Castle was going to be at Ballroom Brawl one single time. That is, uh, it was kind of impressive. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of mystery opponents on that card, so we could see some big names come out for it as well. But the one that we do know is going to be there is Dalton Castle. Which I, I am so excited to and see. And we were so excited for the local talent on that card that we didn't even mention his name one single time. Which so, stands to, to how strong that card is. So, yeah, and I mean... It, if you're a fan of women's wrestling as well, a big name in Shimmer, Nicole Matthews, we got to oh, have yeah. a great talk with her. She talked about uh, Asuka and their uh, run-ins in the past, including her match with her in NXT. Mm -hmm. So a lot of good stuff for wrestling fans out there to look forward to, and that's going to come out this coming Monday. That's right. Right on this very feed. So keep it locked on Top Marks because we got good stuff coming your way. That's going to be a bonus episode. We'll still do a normal three-round yes. fun-time episode So we're doing week. two episodes next week. One is entirely wrestling interviews the other is the usual bullshit you've come to expect from us over the last I don't know month or so speaking of usual bullshit let's get into what the three rounds are today Josh what are they in round number one uh do you know what I did last night Justin uh I do because it's the same thing that I did this afternoon into the evening and that is last week we talked about the fact that I was really interested in watching those new Japan shows out of California right now I didn't wind up actually watching them, unfortunately. Was not able to get around to it. I still have been meaning to check out a couple of matches, this particular uh, Kenny Omega's matches from the weekend. Yeah, him the and one Ishii against, is well worth seeking out. And the one against Michael Elgin I heard was spectacular as well. So I'm really interested in checking those out. But we did check out one of the other big events from this past weekend, and it was the one that I thought I would never check out. And that is perhaps why we did it, to get kind of a, a, a long-time fan's perspective and someone watching the product for the very first time's perspective on Slammiversary. Yeah, I wanted to. I've been away from TNA for a while, so we jumped back in. I'm excited to dissect that with you because we haven't really talked about what we each thought of the show. So uh, we'll get into that in round one. I literally just finished watching it about 45 minutes before we began recording. Be fresh so. on your mind, oh, baby. Oh, hell yeah. 
In round number two, uh, this week on... Or should uh, I say, oh, shell yeah. Oh, great tease! <laughs> uh, and in round number two, we're going to be talking about uh, the two returns that happened on the July 4th edition of SmackDown Live. It was a big SmackDown. It Smackdown really was. SmackDown actually really felt like a big deal this week, which it hasn't for a long time. And not just because our boy Ty Dillinger got some shine yep. on him finally, which mm-hmm. was very nice to see. But, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, that opening segment was absolutely killer. And we're going to get into all of that. That the return of both John Cena and Rusev, what they mean to the show, uh, how it's you know going to be improved by their returns, and uh, you know just the the past history between the two of them as well. So uh, that's round number two and round number three. Josh is we're going to do a little preview. Still only fifteen minutes, as always. Each of these rounds only fifteen minutes, even though Justin sometimes you know he has to skirt past, but I, I keep it locked. We're going to be previewing this Sunday's WWE event, Great Balls of Fire, which frankly. Justin, this card is, it's stacked. I'm super excited. That's going to be a hard one to stay locked into 15 minutes only because there are a lot of feuds heading into this show. Raw finally has a ton of, like, really interesting storylines for you to latch on to. And honestly, we could probably spend a good 15 minutes talking about at least three of the matches uh, on that card by themselves. That could take up an entire 45, but uh, we're going to try and cram an entire pay-per-view preview into 15 minutes. That's what we do here on Top Marks. Having said that, Josh, should we get it going? I am so ready. All right, time to start with round number one. Round one. So as I mentioned off the top there, Josh, I have never seen TNA before. I mean, I I have and I haven't. I've watched, like, over the last, like, five weeks or so, as we've been kind of hanging out together and watching wrestling on lazy Sunday afternoons, you have made a point to uh, improve my life the way you try to improve the listeners' lives at the end of every episode <laughs> by showing me uh, a great deal of uh, Shark Boy and Curry Man matches. <laughs> so, so I have seen those. That is my like one exposure to TNA. My other exposure to TNA is that I did watch uh, Total Nonstop Deletion. Oh, okay, it, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In December of last year, so uh, I that is my like only window into TNA, which is not even called TNA anymore. It is GFW Impact presented by Anthem. Oh, what a name! And <laughs> that's Glow, right? When people are talking about Glow, that's what the acronym is. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the F is yes. There's you get a, a low sound off that F somehow. It's creative, but yeah, I mean, it's got the bright. Uh, green coloring, which yeah. glows in the dark. So yeah, that is. I think that is what they're talking about there. Regardless, <laughs> to give a little history, my my relationship with TNA is um is interesting. There was a point in time in my life where I was following it more closely than I was in the WWE. About two thousand five, two thousand six, I thought they were putting out the better product. And then, and I would imagine that they probably would be putting out a better product through to about 2010. Also, it's, that might not be true because I do think like Russo and yeah. Hogan get involved. When about Russo that time. and Hogan joined in 2010, but WWE is also so spectacularly shitty during that era. Also, but there are more. There's little bright spots. You have Punk coming up. This sort of thing. It, whereas in TNA, you had Dick. I mean, it was just laughable. They had built up these stars. So. We decided to to make a return here. We're going to check out Slammiversary 15, which, frankly, I couldn't believe there's been 15 of these things. Yeah. That that seems surprising in and of itself. I mean, it makes sense. I believe the company started around 15 years ago, if not a little bit longer. Like, it was, like, born out of the ashes of WCW, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds correct to you? Correct-ish. Yeah. 
Um, overall, we'll get into some specific matches coming up here, but overall, in a few words, what, what did you think of Slammiversary 315? I had a good time watching it overall. I, you know, there were some matches that didn't really click for me. The main event, probably one of them, Bobby Lashley and Alberto El Patron, was not really feeling that a whole heck of a lot, especially compared to some of the matches. Even the women's unification match, I thought, yeah. was more fun than the men's main event, honestly. So, uh, I, 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 you know, the number one thing for me was that uh, our our football player there who tagged with yeah. Moose. D'Angelo Williams. Yeah, always. D'Angelo Williams, to me, was the highlight of the show. An absolutely spectacular performance from a first-time wrestler who, who just moved with such quickness that, like, his moves felt legit because they had, like, a high impact because of how fast he was working. Did you read this thing that apparently he only trained for three days for this yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. That couldn't be true. No, right? apparently it is. That he only had three days of training but is such a natural athlete that uh, he was still able to, to do what he did. Now, of course, he had a little bit of a botch there in the finish. He sure. overshot his frog splash. But experts do that, too, overshooting absolutely. a table. Absolutely. That happens all the time. And the fact that he was able to do, like, a standing moonsault. Like, we often talk about Apollo Crews being an incredible athlete. Right. Which he is. Uh, but for D'Angelo Williams to come in and be able to do, like, Apollo Crews' moves on his first day I, is just spectacular. I thought at sort of the, the best-case scenario, he would get a hot tag at the end. They teach him a, a, one single sequence to give him some sort of cool finisher and it's a nice it's a nice debut. Yeah. This guy, he was doing moves like he'd been doing it for years. I, I was so impressed. Uh, now, I'm not a football fan. I don't, is this guy a pretty good football player? Uh, he, I mean, they said on the broadcast that he is like the franchise rushing leader for I think the Carolina Panthers That's all amazing. time or something like that. So what a talented dude! I mean, I I don't follow football as religiously as maybe I should, or it seems like I might. Right. But I have heard his name before. Cool. So I think that alone proves that he's probably pretty good. <laughs> that whole match was fun. Now, unlike you, that wasn't my the match I was most into in the night. I, I found a couple other things really good. If I'm to sum it up. I can't believe how much I enjoyed Slammiversary. Well, I feel like it was a show that was, in a lot of ways, catered towards the history of Impact. With Father James Mitchell and yeah. the best running. Sure. And, and I think there was something to that. And, and, I, and it had a lot of moments that were thank you moments and appreciative moments for longtime fans. And uh, as someone who's never watched the show before... I didn't necessarily connect with those moments, but I didn't find them alienating either. Like, it wasn't like, I don't know what's going on here. Like, context clues can tell you that a guy like Father James Mitchell probably means a lot in the history of TNA, even if, to me, I have no fucking clue who this guy is and it doesn't mean anything. He was Abyss's old manager and led a a faction. I I can't recall what the faction was called right off the top of my head. And Abyss, to me, seemed like the Kane of Impact. He sort of half Kane, half Mankind. Uh, When Foley first came over to TNA, that was who his program was. It was Abyss and Foley, and they did a hardcore match, which... It's pretty divisive. Some people think it really over-delivered. Some people think it's a schmoz, but that's not what we're talking about. But I, I thought that was fun. Did you? What did you think of this strap match? I was so into the James Storm EC3. Now, full that, disclosure, the, I, I think EC3 is m- maybe second or third best guy in TNA and has been for a while. Great on the mic, great look, good in ring. I love the one percenter as a finish. But what, what would you think of this match? That was one of the things that I was actually more into on the card, not only because I know who James Storm is and because... I've heard a lot about EC3 and just how good he is, that he's like the franchise player for this brand, basically. Yeah, that's about right. Uh, So it was really interesting getting a good look at him and also like a strap match. It seemed like it had a pretty well-built feud, and Mm -hmm. I did love the fact that it seemed built around 
EC3 like wanting to turn the page on this old era of yeah. Impact and finally be the guy, the face of the brand, and like the way to do that is to basically be the legend killer, Randy yeah. Orton, basically. But I, it worked for him. I thought it was a really good uh, video package. One of the only video packages that built a match properly. I was not really impressed with yeah. that element of the broadcast overall. Uh, but I did have some concern about the finish because James Storm stayed out there in the ring for a very, very long time at the end of it and also the way they built to it. like It seemed like a natural part of the storyline and the fact that EC3 hit James Storm with his finisher afterwards. If you didn't watch the show, which I would imagine a lot of people didn't, because why would you watch TNA unless you're a shit-eating wild man like we are? <laughs> uh, then what happened was uh, Storm got ran into the ring post really, really hard. Like, legitimately ran into the ring and post. And as it looked like he was about to hit EC3 with a second consecutive finisher to end the match, he just dropped dead in the ring for no, for no reason, basically. Uh, and I think, like, from a story perspective, it seemed to make sense to me that, oh, he's just rattled from having been run into the ring post. And it started to, like, it started to feel like there was actually something genuinely wrong because I the official did just tell EC3 to cover him immediately. Just pin this and, and end it. Let's get out of here. I thought something really bad had happened. But initially. he picked him up. And he hit him with the one percenter again, and like it, that was the end of the match. Which, if you're trying to build up EC3 as this killer heel, then that is probably a good spot to work. Where it's a work that this guy is injured, and you're still gonna hit him with the move anyways. I read though, Josh, oh, no. it was reported like an hour before we started recording here tonight that James Storm legitimately has a stage three concussion, which, Aye. if you're familiar with concussions, is the worst degree of concussion someone can possibly have. And he was left off of the tapings that have since taken place since Slamversary, so I think there is cause to be genuinely concerned about that finish from a safety perspective, and uh, whatever feelings I had from like a storyline perspective of like, oh, that heel, how dare he, is now like feelings of bitterness towards the company, perhaps, for actually letting that happen and yeah, putting someone right. who's been a long-time worker for them in a very dangerous position. I gotta tell you, I feel guilty as shit for loving that match. But it was now. a good match. It was a great match. I hope all, all of our best to James Storm. I, uh, if we go back to the very beginning of the show as well, the very first match was, I think, for the for the tag titles uh, or something like that. It was a four-way. There was the, the you mean the Ali Braxton Sutter Mahabali Shira. I think that was actually on the pre-show. I didn't was, see I'm that. I'm just one. reading off Wikipedia. I didn't see that one either. Um, it was this one, the Latin American Exchange, oh, right? Uh, versus a couple of uh, different teams here. I was really impressed with the guys who came over from Pro Wrestling Noah. They seemed to be and uh, and that was uh, Naomichi Marufuji. And Taiji Ishimori. Nailed it. I was really impressed with both of those guys. Yeah. I thought they were like the highlight of what was otherwise kind of a chaotic, messy match for uh, me. I, the highlight for me was, did you catch what Conan, uh, the closing line of his promo was? No. Uh, so they win, and he goes, we that blue pill, we stay so hard. I did. I actually did. I did <laughs> I hear that. I thought that was a, a really excellent line. And again, I thought a little bit sloppy in moments, getting away from them, but I thought a good match. Again. I, I also have to mention that I really, right from the beginning of this show, having never really watched TNA before, absolutely hated 
this six-sided ring. Oh, It's yeah. fucking awful. It is awful. It's not what wrestling should look like. I understand from a branding perspective, I can see like 15 years ago someone thinking, this is what's going to differentiate us. We're going to be the show that looks different, has a different feel, has a different ring, but it literally brings nothing, and it it was remarkable several times in that opening tag match, particularly yeah. from the Japanese guys who are probably not used to working in a ring like that, that they did not know how to run the ropes in a six-sided ring in a normal way. Like, at one point, they just stopped running in the middle of the <laughs> ring and then started this. running towards a different rope. It was like, what is happening? What? Who is still, as they continue to rebrand themselves and try to get away from what they've done in the past, I think they should also get rid of the the knockout term for their women yeah, no question. and they should also get rid of their stupid fucking ring because I maybe I can see like thinking well there's extra turnbuckles so there's extra room for aerial moves I don't think there was a single spot on this show and I don't think I've ever seen a single spot in a TNA match that was improved by having two extra turnbuckles in the ring this tag match had a really cool spot where three guys did moonsaults yeah. on the same turnbuckle at once to different parts of the outside and into the ring as well but you can do that in a four-sided ring. There's no fucking reason to have this stupid-ass ring. It has always sucked. Uh, moving on. Talk about over-delivering. Jeremy Borash with Abyss against Josh Matthews and Scott Snyder. This was a fun match. It's it really exactly was. what it needed to be, don't it, you think? It really was a lot of fun. And, you know, Jeremy Borash has been kind of the creative force behind those Hardy Boys segments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so... To, for him to cast himself as like the star of one of those this time, uh, I think it worked. It was a lot of fun, and this was some of the, one of the things that I'd heard a lot of complaints about heading into the show was this awful announcers feud that had basically taken over every single impact for the last several months in the lead up to this. I honestly think if this match had been the main event of the show, that there would have been no problem with that at yeah, all. Yeah, I, I, I was way more into it than the title match. You mentioned commentators. Were, were you as blown away or at least reminded as what could a good commentator Don West is watching this? Something about his voice was really annoying to me. Really? Like, super great in, like, Gosh, I think he's the good. Tone of, I liked the content of his like commentary, but the tone of it was really annoying to me. Sanjay Dutton low-key for the the X-Division championship. Low-key dressed as Hitman, what basically. What was that? I don't know. It's my first time seeing him. I liked him a lot. He's awesome. Yeah, He's... I was really impressed with low-key. I thought uh, it was great. That match could have slotted into anything on 205 Live, and I think it would have even stood out there uh, as a WWE Cruiserweight match. I thought it was great. Yeah, it's just weird to me that this belt necessitates that you do a two out of three falls match every single time. Yeah. Because I feel like every two out of three falls match is the same. Completely fair. So, it's a weird formula to like pin your your cruiserweights into. Rosemary versus Sienna. You said you enjoyed this a lot. I really did. Yeah, I liked Rosemary so much. Uh, I've heard a lot about her. She's been interviewed like on the Law a bunch of times because I think she's Canadian. She might be. She was. She got her big run last year with Decay, teamed by uh, Abyss and Crazy Steve, faced the Hardys in the Great War. Yeah, and she's basically like if WWE were to turn Sister Abigail that, exactly. into a character on screen, she is essentially uh, what that character would be. And it was interesting to see that character portrayed as a babyface, that this crazy, insane goth girl is actually the hero of this yeah. match. And I liked Sienna as well. Uh, it was good to see Allie do a little bit of a run in there at the yeah, end, yeah. too, even though she was barely on the show at all. I guess she was on the pre-show, which I didn't watch. No, according to Wikipedia, she was, but I didn't see it either. Uh, and finally, I, I think we, we disagree a little bit here on the main event. As you were walking into my house, we talked about it. I, I thought this was a great match where Bobby Lashley stood out to me as, gosh, how much has this guy improved? I mean... 
I would love to see him back in WWE facing the big boys. I think the world of Lashley after last night. He was the best part of the match by far. My problems with that match were almost entirely with Alberto El Patron and his stupid fucking finisher that I absolutely hate it so is, much. It's terrible. And like, it was bad when he was doing it to people like Kalisto, this like tree of woe thing where they're dangling themselves off the turnbuckle. You thought it was improved by what Lashley did to sell it at the end? I, I thought it was even worse that he was just dangling himself off of the middle rope and wasn't even tied up on the turnbuckle. But then he doesn't have to do that like sit up yeah, thing. But every yeah. guy looks like a complete idiot taking this <laughs> that move. That is true. And for him to do it multiple times over the course of a match, like you're just a stupid idiot, Bobby Lashley. Why are you holding yourself up for someone else to hit you like this? It makes no sense. Justin, in the last 30 seconds. It's a I've... move that completely breaks your suspension of disbelief within professional wrestling. Two quick questions for you, Justin. Give Slammiversary a letter grade, and does this make you want to watch TNA more? It was like a B show for me, and I'm not necessarily inclined to tune into Impact this week, but I would certainly give it a chance because the show is better than I thought it would be. Strong B-plus for me, and I will tune into more pay-per-views, I think. And that was 15 minutes. Bada-boom. And we will go from there into topic number two. Round two. Fight. Hey, Justin. Yeah? I think we have something in common. I mean, we got a lot of things in common. We do, yeah. We've got some things in common. One thing that we have in common, I think, is a love for uh, the Bulgarian Brute Rusev. We certainly do. I thought you were going to say John Cena for a second there, and I have certainly taken an appreciation like of him John as well. But, uh, yeah, I absolutely love uh, Rusev. We've talked many times about who the funniest people working in WWE right. are today. Last week, I made the case for Tyler Breeze, and you were quick to point out, uh, 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 what about Rusev? And it's easy to forget him because he has been off of TV for quite a long time. And they have teased his return a couple times. Uh, in a way that actually was tied into kayfabe this week as well. Which is cool. I thought this whole promo from him was terrific. Now, John Cena coming out doing the Independence Day sort of thing. The John Cena birthday was was a a good, like, rah-rah American promo on July 4th. I understand that, like, that's what we need to do. But there was some real meat to that promo from a John Cena perspective also. Him rattling off all those names of guys that he is coming for because yeah. he is not a part-timer. He is not done. He is going to refocus himself, recommit himself to being the best he possibly can be. And he named off literally every single top guy from both shows yeah. and said, I'm coming. And... The, the last name was Roman Reigns. It got a huge reaction from the crowd. got a huge reaction from me. Me too. It was like an oh shit moment yep. that they finally acknowledged that John Cena would have issue with this guy who claims he's the new top dog and this place is his yard. But uh, from a Rusev perspective, he comes out and he cuts what is supposed to be the heel promo, but it's really only the heel promo because he made fun of Americana a few times. He made fun of the That's fact right. that July 4th is a shitty holiday <laughs> where you gorge yourself on red meat and blow shit up like idiots. <laughs> like, there's nothing patriotic about that. You're just being a lazy slob, which is true. <laughs> it's true. It's not false. And to me, the best heel is someone who comes out and cuts a promo where... Like, they are the hero of their story. But I feel like to Rusev, that's almost a hindrance to his character because he feels like the babyface in almost all of his feuds, but he is booked like a heel every time. Because there have been a few where he seemed like clearly acting reasonably. You cannot tell me that everything that he said to John Cena was not accurate. That 
they treat him like a pampered star, that he gets everything he wants. The fact that he is even free agent John Cena now, uh, able to hop back and forth among shows. A, what the fuck? (laughs) B, why are you even doing that if his first feud out of making him a free agent is a SmackDown guy that's going to be on a SmackDown pay-per-view? C, like... Brock doesn't even get to do that, you know? Like, it makes... There's literally zero reason for this other than John Cena is the only guy who can pop a rating, and if we need a rating on Raw, we want John Cena on Raw. That's the only reason that I can think of. From a business perspective, it makes sense. From, like, a non-kayfabe perspective, it makes sense. Within the storyline that they've told of this brand split, the fact that John Cena can just pick and choose which show he wants to show up on makes no sense and feeds into Rusev's point that he's a pampered star who gets everything he ever wants and people who work just as hard as he does, maybe even harder in fact, have to be condescended to by John Cena every single week who comes out being handed everything on a silver platter (laughs) and tell the back of the house that I'm the hardest working guy and you don't deserve what I have because I worked harder than you can ever imagine to be here. I understand that over the course of time he probably has. But for a guy like Rusev to come out and be like, I hurt myself by carrying this company night in and night out, and the whole time I was gone, I didn't get any commercials promising the return of Rusev. I didn't get anything. I recorded videos of myself in my own home that I sent to Shane and Daniel Bryan, and they didn't even acknowledge that I was doing this. Like, it's... (laughs) I think a lot of people had a problem with the fact that Rusev had that thing a couple weeks ago where... Uh, uh, he said that he wanted the title match at Money in the Bank, and right. that was his only, uh, the only way he would show up on SmackDown. Okay, all right, all right, all right, hang on. Because that was like a dangling thread that never got picked up. So the fact that they were not only able to pick that back up and tie it into his grievances in a way that really naturally made sense I think was great, but the problem is I want to cheer for Rusev. And I think anyone watching that promo who's not an American and is not insulted by the things he said about July 4th and Americana probably want to cheer for Rusev because, once again, he seems like the clear babyface here. Well, and that's 15 minutes. That's, uh, wow, <laughs> Only that's five. We got that 10 was... minutes left to go here. Justin, you are shot. I haven't heard you shot out of a cannon like this since uh, the women's money in the bank. I love Rusev. I think he is one of the most criminally misused characters on Let, WWE let's talk about television. This. Let's talk about this for a second because, like we said off the top, we both love Rusev. And what I think is interesting about that is Rusev doesn't really have that match. There isn't a match you can point to like, wow, look at Rusev. This is a star. The, I think the Cena match at Mania is probably my favorite of yeah, his. Yeah, um, absolutely. Which is interesting for a guy who I think is very sound in ring. And like I constantly bring up how funny I think he is. And is, he's proven this over time. Let me ask you this. After seeing Lana lose for a third time to Naomi on Tuesday, is Lana r- going to rejoin Rusev for this feud? Uh, I don't think so. And I think part of the reason for that is that they want to break Rusev away from Russia. That they, mm. that they are content to do this American John Cena against a heel foreigner. But I don't I don't know if it's like Linda McMahon at the White House being like, <laughs> hey, maybe lay off Russia. Wait, what if that is it? What if it is Linda McMahon? <laughs> but the, for whatever reason, they do not have the same uh, appetite to lean into anti-Russian sentiment 
as they did before. And that's probably because you have a president at the moment and a lot of the, his right-wing base who are, who are falling in line with this idea that, yeah, actually Putin fucking rules, even though he's an awful killer. You know, <laughs> like there's no, there's no objective way to look at Vladimir Putin and think this guy is great. But Donald Trump apparently wants to have that opinion, and, and as the president goes, so goes all of his followers as well. So, yeah, there's no way that you're going to see uh, Rusev saluting Putin again, and I think taking the ravishing Russian away from him helps us forget that this is not a Russian guy. He is the Bulgarian brute. Uh, and th- I don't know. Yeah, I think there are political reasons for that. I think that's an interesting honest. insight, and I think you might be right. Uh I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna take some heat here for this. I suspect, but uh, I loved this segment. Okay, I, I absolutely adored it. What with uh, Cena's promo when you're talking about reading off the names, I mean, that was jarring. I loved it, even, especially like you said, pro- like even him naming Jinder Mahal. Like Jinder's probably the lowest name on the list of guys he rattled off, but that's a match I desperately want to see. It does feel bad, and it also elevates Jinder to be lumped in in that group. Also, but. I don't like this Cena and Rusev feud at all. It feels like something we've seen too many times before. We've seen it. It feels a little hokey. I don't know if there's room for Rusev to be the international foreign heel right now with Mahal and Owens both running. Not identical gimmicks, but there's a lot of Mr. America versus foreign heel right now. And I'm a little a little tired of that. And I don't want to see either lose. These are both big returns. It, I can't think of a time where two people returning were matched up against each other. I'm sure it's happened, but nothing's coming to my mind off the top because of my head. Because it's one of those situations where one of them has to lose. Someone's going to lose on their return, which yeah. is, is a weird way to come back. And again, that is something that's happened before, but it is strange to me. I'm of two minds about that because I do feel like as much as I've missed Rusev on SmackDown over the last several months and have been eager to see him come back and was actually thrilled at the house show that I went to last weekend that he did come back and right. was like that was his first show back was right, it right. being inserted into a triple threat match with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens because uh, I love the guy was happy to see him and he looked cut he yeah, looks like in about right the now. best shape he's ever been in he is so jacked. when he said fuck you John Cena I work just as hard as you do if not harder. The results are there. Like, he definitely, there's something to that. Uh, But, you know, I do think that despite the fact that we all know that he's probably going to lose this match, because when would an American lose a flag match in WWE? Rapa do. (laughs) Uh, Especially against John Cena, as Cena gets heated up for probably a bigger program at SummerSlam. Uh, This is probably the biggest way that they could have brought Rusev back and made him a big deal immediately. I can't think of any other opponent that's available to him right now for Battleground that would put him on a bigger platform than Cena does. And it's also a possibility that, you know, maybe not this match in particular, but maybe Rusev does get to beat John Cena again. Because, you know, as much as Cena talked about in that promo coming back and being a guy who wants to rattle off wins over all these high-level opponents... In actuality, if you look at his booking over the last year and a half, he very much seems like a guy who, whether it's him or whether it's the booking committee, uh, is well aware of the fact that he's on the downward slope. He's on his way out the door, and you've seen that. He's put over AJ Styles. He put over Bray Wyatt twice in three days like he is definitely there there are reparations owed from john cena to guys that he has badly damaged in the past and i think top of that list is probably rusev who was Mm. red hot before that john cena feud 
like three years ago now, I feel like. Was it that long ago? Because, uh, yeah, that would have been WrestleMania 31, yeah, the 31. outdoor uh, San Francisco show yeah, when Levi Rusev Stadium. came out in the tank. Uh, and Do you yeah. think that's the best entrance ever? Uh, it's my favorite by far. Sandman at uh, One Night Stand I think will forever be my answer. But But I think... That's my favorite WWE entrance, that tank. But I think, you know, part of the complaint about Cena, which was something that fueled the feud with both Kevin Owens and AJ Styles, is that this is a guy who gets all of the hot heels and then cools them to a point that they never recover. Well, I think more, even more so than uh, hot heels, I think the, the monster heels for a long time have been built up to, to die to Cena. But Ryback, Great Khali, Rusev... Um, I'm forgetting others, but they, they build up the monster Bray heel. Wyatt, even. Bray Wyatt, and and these guys get built up as unstoppable forces for Cena. And then on the he big clowns stage. them, and then we are never given a reason to take them seriously again. Yeah, that's why I think Now, I'm not saying that John Cena should lose every feud. That's obviously an unrealistic no, expectation. No, 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 no. But I think he is in a position now to put some shine back on guys whose reputations he has tarnished. And I think Rusev is definitely one of those guys. I don't think he's necessarily going to win this match, but I can see him pinning John Cena at some point in the next, like, four months. And I think that that would be really good for him. I think that this is a use of Rusev. I mean, we talked about that match at WrestleMania being our all-time favorite Rusev moment, yeah. favorite feud. Uh, I also lean towards the Rusev-Roman Reigns Hell in a Cell match from last year. Oh. I thought that was really good. Uh, and that is another Rusev feud where he was explicitly portrayed as the babyface with like genuine yeah. grievances against Roman every step of the way in that feud. That was the one that came to my mind when you brought that up, when he was like, it's like, oh yeah, I heard you disappointed Lana on your wedding <laughs> night. Like, yeah, kick the shit out of him. Like, are, are you joking? Like, interrupted their wedding ceremony. He ruined their cake. He like got Lana covered in icing. Like, Roman was a huge dick in that feud. And there's no reason that anyone in Rusev's situation would not stick up for the honor of their wife. Not only wife. Do you remember when Rusev was like showing pictures of like his grandmother oh, yeah. and stuff? And and which like, was hilarious. One of, of the funnier segments on Raw over the last year. Uh, but, you know, I, beyond just, like, kayfabe, I feel bad for Rusev as a human being as well because yeah. he's a guy who's been punished for stupid things just when it looked like they were going to heat him up again despite the fact that he was locked in one of the worst storylines of the modern era. I think that, it is the worst. That double romance with Summer and Lana and Dolphin Rusev. The only good thing to come out of that was Dog Ziggler. They <laughs> buried him over the fact that he got engaged and that, like, that got publicly, you know, announced, which is a very stupid reason to punish someone who's an excellent worker. I think Rusev, as a human being, is a (laughs) babyface underdog who's been mistreated as well as within storyline. So I'm naturally inclined to cheer for him. Uh, But I think that, you know, the fact that this is a program that we've been into before, despite the fact that we've seen it before, is also an interesting use of him, and maybe they can use that to, to spark him up big too. I think that there is a way that he can come out of this match and lose it, but still be better off for having definitely. been a guy in a ring with John Cena than just having come back in general. You're definitely right about that. And as long as we eventually get to him versus AJ Styles, I'm I'm golden. I think I I still want Rusev to have that match. That is important to me. I want to be able to point to ah, this is the guy's moment. AJ gets that out of people more than anybody. So I'd like to see him go to AJ or Sami Zayn. After I mean, this. I think ultimately AJ Styles is probably going to win this United States title. Might not be a battleground, but I think he's going to beat Kevin Owens at some point. 
fight. Oh, man. And if the first feud for him out of that is for Rusev to go after once again, the title that basically he made important. Like, before John Cena, Rusev was the guy who made that U.S. title what it is. Uh, I, I, you know, I, as much as I think Rusev has a main event run in him, has a spot uh, where Jinder is right now, eventually, if, you know, they're going to make that U.S. title a big deal by having AJ have it, AJ versus Rusev is a just crackling feud that I would bring love to see. Bring it on, as far as I'm concerned. Last thing, do you think they bring up the Jinder-Rusev connection that was sort of teased in the fast lane? I'm not yeah. sure. I, you know, I, because that would make Rusev babyface, and that does not look like where they're going. 15 minutes. Wow, what a good 15 minutes. Yeah, it was. was. It was indeed. And we'll go from there into, uh, do you have a Sunday night tweet for us this week, Josh? Justin, I'm so glad you asked. Yeah? I, I got to tell you, we got some good feedback about Sunday night tweet. We did? This was, this was, uh, this was the big hit. Uh, so are, are it was you... the viral smash. Yeah, It was mean, the LeVar Ball segment of last week's Top Marks. Literally tens of people listened to this. I yelled the N-word multiple times. <laughs> that is true, actually. I, I wasn't <laughs> going to bring that up, but... Uh, <laughs> Justin, are you ready? So for those who haven't listened, allow me to explain the rules. I will... I have searched the internet. This this vast place. Uh, Twitter.com. Scoured it. I scour Twitter for the... What I deem to be the... The weirdest or just tweets that stand out to me by WWE superstars. I read the tweets verbatim, and Justin has to guess who the tweeter is. Justin, do you understand the rules? I do. I played this game before. Okay, fantastic. I know you remember those. (laughs) (laughs) Too many of the devil's lettuce (laughs) cigarettes. (laughs) Fucking jazz cigarettes. (laughs) Uh, Are you ready for tweet number one, Justin? Sure am. This, uh, I don't think he's talking about you here. Okay. But he is talking about somewhere you were. Okay. Here's the tweet. The amount of smoking hot chicks at WWE Vancouver last night was just absurd. I hope WWE Everett is the same at every show ever. At WWE. I think it's important to note here that chicks is spelt C-H-I-X. All right. Well, clearly he was just trying to save some characters. Uh, you know, it's tough on Twitter. You got to hey. fit it in under 140 sometimes. So chicks to the next <laughs> is what you do. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, ladies man who was at the show last week. Uh, this is hard. This is very difficult. I'm going to go with Prince Pretty himself, Tyler Breeze. I think that's a great guess. It seems like a heel tweet, though, and I feel like Prince Pretty is a babyface at the moment. So I don't it, think I'm right, but that's who I'm going with. It, it is not Prince Pretty. It is a uh, known ladies' man, uh, a guy that, uh, I don't know if anyone would call him handsome, but it's Mojo Rawley. Oh, what? <laughs> Mojo got booed very loudly by the Vancouver crowd. That's not what I heard. He I heard was, he got hyped. He was supposed to be, like, the number one babyface in his random-ass thrown-together eight man tag match <laughs> and like the entire time he was in the ring everyone was just chanting we want Jordan and we want Gable <laughs> no one was fucking interested in Mojo Rally at all well I heard a lot of the smoking chicks were he's cheering a, for him he's a big time heel and the fact that he turned on Zack Ryder this week I feel like they are finally coming to realize that uh this guy if you're gonna break up the hype bros Mojo going heel is the natural way to go cause he's just not Remotely likable in any way. Tweet number two. So Chris Brown gets into a fight at the BET Awards. Well, at least he's back to fighting guys again. Wow. And this is from somebody on the active WWE roster. That is correct. 
I think it's going to be a woman, probably, because she's paying attention to A, pop music, and B, women's issues by calling him out. Which is not to say that oh a man wouldn't call out oh Chris boy. Brown for being a pre- piece of shit. Here we go again. Because Chris Brown is a big time piece of shit. But I feel like that's more likely something a woman would Didn't you tweet. tell me you thought Chris Brown had some good ideas? No. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm no. I detest. I mean, he loves dogs. But <laughs> everyone does. That's not. You can't. <laughs> I can't believe I just applied the Hitler defense to Chris Brown. Uh, <laughs> um. Somebody who's probably into that kind of music, too. I'm going to go with the boss, Sasha Banks. Oh, man. It is not the boss, Sasha Banks. Oh. It is the perfect 10. Ty Dillinger? Ty Dillinger. Ty Dillinger's calling out Chris Brown? He's saying Chris. Oh, Ty. That's why you got. That's why he got prominently placed into the main event. And it may have been. They're like, this guy's taking a stand for all the right issues. My apologies to the ladies out there. I didn't mean to say that a man would not think Chris Brown is a piece of shit. We all do. Oh man. Okay. So, so, uh, Justin, you gotta stick with me on this one because I'm just trying to explain my mindset here. I think I, I got like 150 different possible answers <laughs> to every question. It's very hard to listen. Narrow we down. get it. You love Chris Brown. We <laughs> get. We God, understand. No. We, that's what I took from that. So this one, Justin, this this maybe bends the rules a little bit because okay. this isn't a tweet from a superstar. This is something a superstar retweeted. Okay, so this is someone on the active WWE roster retweeted the following tweet from somebody named Vanessa that says, "Orange lemonade twist recipe. This would be great for a July 4th brunch and could be dressed up or down." And if you click the link, it is a it is a recipe for orange lemonade twist. Orange lemonade twist <laughs> on July 4th. That's Who's funny. enjoying that the most on their July 4th? Uh, I'm going to go with Renee Young. It is not Renee Young, Justin. I feel like that's something she would bring to a barbecue. It is our man, Titus O'Neil. Titus O'Neil <laughs> is, uh, he wants everybody to know, uh, how to, how to make some lemonade. Worldwide, baby. Titus Worldwide! Okay. Uh, only two more. I hope you're ready. Okay. So this one, you're going to have to stay with me here. Okay. Because uh, there's multiple, more bit of discussion. I got, I got some right last week. Like, I yeah. feel way out of my element this no, week. No, you're, you're doing great. You're doing great. It's not been good. Uh, so a gentleman named Sean Vucko asks EC3, who we just talked about in the last segment. Yeah. Says, EC3, will you be my date for prom? EC3 says, no. The tweeter in question says, I will. Sean replies to the tweeter in question and says, oh, really? Thanks. You're the man using the wrong your. Y-O-U-R. Of course. The tweeter in question says, you don't know the difference between your and your? It'd be embarrassing to go to prom with the dumbest guy in school. Cancel that. Wow. <laughs> so we're talking about a big time heel. Um, well, is it because he also said he would go to prom with this young man? I feel man? like he said that he would specifically so he could bail on it. <laughs> and I, when I think about somebody who like is a dick to people on Twitter like that in this specific way, <laughs> I feel like, I, and I don't know why, because I, I don't know that he'd really have any uh, run-ins with EC3 over the years, but I am going to go with uh, one of the best wrestling Twitters out there, Kevin Owens. It is not my dear friend Kevin Owens, but it is one of the top guys, Scott Dawson, taking people to school on grammar and uh, declining going to prom with young men. Oh, you know, maybe that'll get him off main event is if he goes to prom with a 
with a, with a boy there. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, he's that'll be, put the shine on him. Yeah, he'll be on superstars. He'll be the next Titus. Yeah, he'll <laughs> win some award for being like such an outgoing superstar. He'll be the mega date of the year. <laughs> Justin, uh, are you ready for the last tweet here? Sure. I- I'm just interested to see who you guess here. This one's dope. To me, it's not as funny as I'm the last one. I'm 0 for 4 so far. I think you're doing it's pretty really good. really bad. Who's counting? I think you're doing pretty good. I am bombing hard. So here's all this tweet says. I just came to a realization, ellipses. Kanye West is my favorite artist of all time. Now, there is no context surrounding this tweet. There's, they're not playing songs. They're not... It just... I just came to a realization. Kanye West is my favorite artist of all time. Uh, I'm going to go with Apollo Crews. That's a little bit racist, but no, it is Kofi Kingston. Kofi Kingston? I don't know. uh, That was racist. I feel like (laughs) Apollo probably likes rap music. Uh, I feel like a lot of guys in the locker room. uh, What, if I guessed Heath Slater, would that have been? That's pretty racist, too. What? What, Trailer park people? I can't can't win with you. (laughs) I'm just too offensive. I feel like this segment will be canceled because it's been too controversial this week. And also because I could not have failed any harder than I did. What do you think of Sunday Night Tweet? Oh, I'm enjoying it, really. I enjoyed it more last week when I got something right. Well, uh, maybe I'll cheat next week. We can show you them no. because they can only hear the audio. I so guess. Could, uh. <laughs> and with that, let's get into a little round number three. Round number three. Round three. Fight. Now, Josh, I feel like that. You know, last week we had a compelling argument as to uh, guys in the Fed, maybe Titus, maybe a writer, someone important in oh, WWE yeah, listening yeah. to the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, and and that might be the case again. Maybe not this week, uh, but I, I feel like they go out of our way to take our complaints and make them look foolish. Yeah, that is true. Almost immediately. Uh, because last week, of course, when we were talking about whether the brand split was good or bad, I said that none of these brand-specific pay-per-views have felt like a big deal. They all felt skippable. Right. And... I feel stupid having said that now because I think Ooh. Great Balls of Fire is probably going to be the best pay-per-view of the year so far. Justin, while your point still stands last week that these standalone brand-specific pay-per-views I don't think have been I mean, hit or miss like I said last week, but they haven't been great or must-see, I feel like Great Balls of Fire is must-see. And I feel that part of that is because this, I believe, is the first post-brand split pay-per-view to have Brock in the main event that is not a uh, like big four overlap show. Yeah, that's he was true, on Survivor Series. He was in the Royal Rumble, and he was at WrestleMania. But he hasn't been on literally one single one of these brand split pay per views because his last match before Goldberg was probably SummerSlam against Orton. So it's not wow, surprising yep. that this would have a big pay-per-view feel to it because Brock is on it. Uh, but I think that the way that they've built to that match in particular, taking a lot of cues from the presentation of UFC fights, I think as we saw in particular on this past Monday Night Raw, oh, yeah, that split where they're room. running down the hallway trying to get at each other, it was awesome. Uh, Samoa Joe looks like a killer. Oh my goodness. He could not be heated up any more than he possibly has been over the last four weeks or so. Uh, The show's just been great. I I can't remember the last time I was so excited for a single match as I am Samoa Joe versus Brock Lesnar. It's had a tremendous build, and I think it's really going to be one of the most competitive matches that Brock's put on in a long time. And it's good to see that from him because, you know, he's been stuck in this Goldberg feud for a long time where... 
every match in that was like no longer than I think even their WrestleMania match was like four and a half minutes total. Uh, yeah, uh, I think I think it was a little longer than that, but yeah, I but, think it was like seven minutes, but not much. Longer. No, no, sub ten for sure. Yeah. So we both agree that is a plus. Samoa Joe versus Brock. Yeah, I, but I feel like this is a big show because. When we talked about why Raw has been working a lot better of late a couple weeks ago, one of the big things that jumped out at us was these compelling Mm storylines. Like, they are really booking their undercard in a way where guys have not just feuds that continue for weeks on end. It's not like a fucking Dolph Ziggler, Kevin Owens-style thing where we're watching them in a best of a million, you know? These are compelling storylines in addition to being, you know, uh, matches that we're seeing again and again. Like, really, the only one that I don't necessarily want to see on this entire card is Sheamus and Cesaro against yeah. the Hardys. Especially that 30 In a 30-minute Iron Man match. Yeah. I... Like, the fact that it seems like it could be a blow-off, but again, an Iron Man match has room for them to tie and drag this out even further is, is a big, like, uh, you know, something that's repellent about it for me. Yeah. But it's also the fact that like I just am done with these two. I'm I don't so want done. this feud to carry on, and I I'm so particularly done. do not want to see a match that has to be thirty minutes long well, my on a card this, that is full of great feuds. That's the thing. This thirty minutes on another pay per view might not bother me as much, but it just makes me feel like Samoa Joe and Brock is going to go shorter than I want it to, and that's probably going to be true of other matches on this card. Because as we go through it, I think you'll realize. There's a lot of matches that deserve to get time There's here. way more matches and way more feuds going into this show than I think uh, there have been on literally any brand split pay-per-view going in. I think that's true. But yeah. here's a match I think is going to go short, but I am very into, especially after this last week's Monday Night Raw, Enzo versus Big Cass. Enzo versus Big Cass. And now, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. What do you do? Do you put Enzo back into a tag team once they break up because he's not at a spot where he can be uh, a singles guy? Honestly, I am willing to walk that back right now. Me too. I am eating my words. It doesn't matter what he does in ring. I do not want to see this match be a squash. I ultimately think Big Cass is going to win, but I do want it to be more competitive than we would have expected. I think a lot of us... Uh, you know, a couple weeks back, talking about this with our friends even, it seems like this is a feud that's going towards a squash where Enzo's going to be ragdolled and Big Show is going to come out and make the save and maybe we build to a big cast, big show, uh, battle of the bigs at <laughs> SummerSlam. Uh, but I don't really want that anymore. Enzo's I, a star! Enzo cut the promo of his life Forget to about start the promo the show. of his life. One of the best promos on WWE television in how long? Probably the best promo since the pipe bomb. I mean, by gosh, he comes out there, and in an era when they're having a hard time building baby faces, out comes this guy, five foot, what, 11? Comes out, reputation not really wrestle, cuts a super baby face promo, the people are with him, I'm with him, and he goes backstage, shows some ferocity, attacks Cass, I am sold on Enzo Amore. I am walking back everything I said about, oh, what are they going to do here? He's going to squash him. And I think even the people who may have been getting bored of the typical Enzo Amore promo, because I know that there are a lot of people out there who find his shtick to be very repetitive, I was super impressed by the fact that he hit all of his catchphrases in that promo, but he did it in a serious way, in a dramatic way, not in a this is a funny punchline way. Like, even using the zero dimes line about how Cass is a poor man without 
Enzo coming up with all of this merch and all of these catchphrases, like, you know, to, to take I'm where the money is literal and be like, no, bro, you ain't shit. Yeah. I've made you rich over the last three years. It totally turns the dynamic on its head where it's presented as Cass was the whole team. Yeah. And Enzo's being like, look behind the scenes. Look at all of these things I'm doing. What, what was the line? You're, you're nothing but a, a seven-foot-tall slogan. You are nothing more than a seven-foot catchphrase that I wrote. I mean... What a home run line that is. I was blown away by Enzo. The whole Monday. the whole promo was spectacular and I don't care what the guy does in the ring when you can talk like that, you're a main eventer. No one who talks like that should be stuck on 205 live. Couldn't no one who more. talks like that should be stuck battling it out for 100%. some lesser title they shouldn't be stuck in a tag team you should not put him back with big show you should spend a lot of time training this guy he oh, should yeah. be getting the same sort of bump up right now that on smackdown jinder mahal is getting because we have seen and we've talked about it many times over the last four weeks jinder is making marked improvements by having to work the main event style match on smackdown house shows week in and week out with top talents i think if you put enzo in that position he can be believable as a guy who can do this. Like, he is not that much smaller than Daniel Bryan was. Honestly, he's not. And Daniel Bryan was a spectacular wrestler and not a great promo. Enzo Amore is the opposite, but that makes him just as compelling. And when a character is that strong, he is a television star. He really is. You would is. be stupid not to make this guy a focal point of the show every single week and not in a gimmick sideshow way in a way where this is man. your new main event talent and I think that honestly if he cuts promos like that and like granted this is a very personal feud he won't always have this kind of material at his disposal but that is a promo that you can be sure he did not have written for him. Hell that no. is Enzo Amore 100% authentic, and the fact that it's not coming from the WWE writer's room makes it connect. We can always tell when it's not written. Like, the New Day got over because they were obviously themselves. You know, and, and somebody to have that opportunity to be themselves and not be scripted is such a rare thing on television today, uh, for WWE anyways, that when you have a guy who can do it, when you have a guy like Enzo who can just... Oh my! I cannot throw enough superlatives I'm, at that I'm promo. I'm right there with you. He he needs to be a big deal, and he needs to be presented as a big deal right now. You cannot have Cass come out here and run roughshod over him. Justin Morissette, do you think people are writing bronze promos where he comes out and goes bronze? Uh, yes, I do. You think that is right? I do I because do. Papa Braun is getting down on Sunday too in an ambulance match against Roman Reigns. These are three huge matches. Come on, like I mean, it's 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 the greatest hits. I want to see this so bad. We've seen it twice before. What's your prediction here? And are you pretty excited? Uh, I think that Roman is probably in much the same way that unfortunately Rusev is going to be a sacrificial lamb to heat John Cena up for SummerSlam. I think Roman uh, is is also in that John Cena position, and Braun will probably uh, take the hit. 
but I think it's going to be a super entertaining match. This yeah. has been a great feud great from the beginning, feud. and it honestly goes right back to the beginning of the year. These two guys have been at each other's throats since the Rumble. Even beyond that, it goes back to Braun's debut when he's still with the Wyatts. Remember when he's choking out Dean and oh, Roman yeah. constantly? They, these guys have had history for a very long time. They do. Uh, Speaking and, of long-time history. And honestly, <laughs> I think the fact that Roman was like, we were told from the beginning, was not going to be on the show this week. A, that's kind of a tell that he will he be. Is, yeah. He always will be. Uh, not every week, though. They, they sometimes do hold him off. Uh, but for him to only be on the show in that very brief window that he was, I think he was only in like the last four minutes of Raw, uh, he felt like a, a huge deal. Like it, They are not just figuring out how to book someone like Braun to get over as a big new star and creating new stars, which has been a problem for them over the years. They are also just tweaking the Roman presentation enough that he feels like a big deal that I don't mind cheering for, ultimately, as well, even if Braun Strowman is my guy and I don't necessarily want to see him lose. Alongside Roman, Braun has also choked out this man, Dean Ambrose, who is putting his Intercontinental title up against The Miz. Actually, it's The Miz putting the title on the line because Dean what did lost I say? it last. Did I say the opposite? Yes, you did. But that's okay. What the fuck? It's it's Dean Ambrose getting his rematch That's for his right. IC belt, and this feud has also been super I mean, entertaining. I mean, I'm so into this, too. Now, uh, Miz flanked by Bo Dallas and uh, Curtis Axel, I think this will play a role in the match. I think Miz is going to retain. What do you think? Uh, I ultimately do agree. It doesn't really make a lot of sense for Dean to win the title back because that probably just prolongs this feud even longer. Yeah. And uh, as much as I wouldn't mind seeing it continue because it's been some of the most entertaining, entertaining segments that we've seen over the last little while, I just feel that these are two guys who are feuding with each other on SmackDown before. As we've mentioned in the past, yeah. this is like a carryover feud. This is what we were supposed to get at WrestleMania this year, but when John Cena got bumped out of the Undertaker match, everything got reshuffled. Shuffled, yeah. So we're, we're getting it now. The fact, though, that these are two guys on a new show who have not feuded with fresh opponents yet, it needs to end probably now, and the, the best way to do that is to... Uh, just have Miz win through nefarious means, probably yeah. by by the uh, the entourage helping uh, out the Miz entourage, and I, I'm ready for Dean to be back in the world title pick or the universal title on Raw. I think that's where Dean belongs. He's a big match guy. When he's put in the big positions, he always delivers those big matches. He's a pretty mediocre guy when he's doing mediocre things, but at the high level, he's proved that he can perform. And I think if you pair Miz against someone else who's on maybe the outside looking in of that main event pitcher, like a Finn Balor, for example, sure. who is not even slated for a match this weekend, but will probably have some sort of appearance Him and Drifter against the, the Drifter. No, yeah. it won't be a match necessarily, but like I'm sure they'll have like some kind of altercation or segment. It just feels weird that we are so excited for a Raw pay-per-view. We're calling it the biggest pay-per-view of the brand split. Yeah. And Finn Balor is not even on the card. I think he's a guy that could go uh, get some great matches out of Miz and that it would be a feud that would be uh, probably his most entertaining to date as well. So there's a, a clear direction for both of these guys going forward. There's two more matches I want to touch on here, Justin. Uh the Neville versus our guy Tazawa, member of Titus Worldwide. Um, it's tough because you know I don't know that Neville really has that many opponents left. Yeah. It's like Cedric Alexander, and he has been cooled off by this whole Noam Dar thing to such an extent that as much as he's a natural babyface with a great move set, who could probably have an awesome match with Neville, Tozawa actually might be the guy who benefits the most from winning this belt right now. He's a babyface that the audience 
really gets behind with his weird war chant thing. And even though Titus O'Neil is a heel and is still explicitly being presented as a heel, or at least was this past Monday, he's been able to build some real support for Tozawa, and I'm into this match. I would love to see Tozawa win it because I want some gold on Titus Worldwide, oh, baby. Man. Titus Worldwide! Sasha Banks versus Alexa Bliss. Who's winning? Uh, probably Alexa, because it seems like they're building towards an Alexa-Naya match, which means they might have listened to the podcast last week say. and decided that Naya is a better babyface and do that at SummerSlam instead. But I do feel like Sasha is better with the title. She probably just won't win it this week. I'm taking Sasha there eventually with a heel turn with Bailey. Rollins versus Wyatt, over-delivered. Yeah, uh, it's cooled off in the last couple weeks because it hasn't had the focus that it did earlier. Uh, but even this week, I thought Seth's promo was really good. Seth's promos in general have been really good over the last month. And these two guys seem to have chemistry together in much the same way that Bray does with Roman as well. I think it's going to be a good match. And Justin, in the final 30 seconds of this round number three, I'm telling you right here, right now, Samoa Joe is winning on Sunday. Uh, I'm going to go with Brock Lesnar because it seems like he's going to be in the main event of SummerSlam as well. But there's one more match that we have five seconds to touch on, and it's Goldust versus R-Truth. I don't care who wins. I'm excited for it either way. Bring it on. <laughs> and uh, with that, Josh, let's take a peek at uh, some of the letters that we got this week. Oh, I don't man. know that we actually got anybody writing in with... Uh, emails we did we did the same guy what wow this is crazy <laughs> jeremy thank you very much should we start off the top with his sure it's uh, it's an answer it's a question that i don't think we have the answer to okay um why do you guys use uh, thank you again jeremy why do you guys use the curry man theme as your sign off <laughs> um be- because like it's just good advice you know uh, yeah i I have a love for most things Christopher Daniels, Curry Man, no, uh, no exception. And so when Justin told me he had never seen any, that was something yeah, that man, I had we didn't up. even talk about the fact that Shark Boy came back on that TNA show. In. Give me a shell, yeah. That was a that was a big pop for me. I lost my mind with the little fin in the pool. It was so oh my perfect. God, that was funny. And then he's out there celebrating with them. It was so perfect. Yeah. Um, I'm a big Curry Man and Christopher Daniels fan, and uh, I think it's just a fun thing. And right before we started doing this show together, uh, you know... The dark days. Yeah, like literally like three days before we recorded our first episode, we were sitting on this very couch, yeah. bored on a Sunday afternoon, drunk in the middle of the day, because yeah. I believe it Italian was Italian days, days yeah. here in Vancouver. I was very drunk. I was also, and you decided to... Uh, change my bum life, blow my damn mind <laughs> by throwing on. You were like, you've never seen TNA. Let me show you the best of TNA. <laughs> yeah, the, and the we fish watched, market street. Yeah, fight. we watched the fishmonger street fight <laughs> between uh, Shark Boy and Curry Man and the Team 3D. Yeah, not allowed to be called the Dudley Boys. And I loved it. it was so I good. unironically thought it was just excellent. Yeah. And we watched a bunch of Curdy Man and Shark Boy matches after that. Super entertaining. Shark Boy, as I've said on the show before, I'm not like fully on yeah. board with the just straight up gimmick <laughs> infringement. He is still cold as a they're fish. Like, they're like calling it a parody, but it's not parodying anything. <laughs> There's literally nothing being spoofed. It's just, I'm a fish who's also stone cold. <laughs> well, he doesn't drink beer. He drinks clam juice. Oh, completely different. Disgusting. That's completely different. Uh, but yeah, it's just good advice, I think, is to live your life like a curry man. And, and like, I think originally the idea was that we were going to recommend matches for people to check out. Yeah. And that was the thing that we wanted people to check out last that week anyways. And now 
just four weeks into the show, it's already become a running gag and a signature <laughs> sign-off, so why not keep it going? I also saw him watching uh, the Netflix series Glow, and Christopher Daniels is uh, one of the wrestlers in that show. And in the match, he's wearing his curry man pants. He is. <laughs> I was blown up. Oh, my goodness. This is perfect. That's awesome. Provided his own costume. The best. All right. Let's take a look over at the Twitter line. Unless we have any more emails, I doubt we do. We do not. This one comes to us from Real Good Joe at Wilson80, who uh, says, Thoughts on the DM release in the last episode of Being the Elite and Omega's tweet after the show. Now, I have not seen uh, the episode in question, but I have heard yeah. what happened. I'm in the same boat. I don't follow Being the Elite, even though I know that I should. There's a lot of people on it that I like, namely Marty Skrull, who's one of my favorite pro wrestlers on Earth and right like now. the Young Bucks. Yeah. And, like, you know, Kenny himself, of I think, yeah, on yeah, the yeah. show. Yeah, but uh, at some point, I think somebody shared uh, a nude DM of yeah. Kenny. Uh, in a joking way, though. I don't yeah, think this yeah, is, yeah. like, a serious thing at all. And, of course, uh, after he had his nudes, quote-unquote, leaked, Kenny took to Twitter and wrote, I would like to apologize to all BTE fans, my family and friends, for private DMs that were <laughs> distributed without my consent. Hashtag being the elite. Of course, you know what this is in yes, reference to, it's Josh. It's the exact same word, it I guess. Seth Rollins. Word for word, Seth Rollins, I would like to apologize to all the WWE fans and my family and friends <laughs> for private photographs that were distributed without my consent. So, Kenny, uh, I don't know exactly why you're trolling, Seth. I love you both. I wish you could get along. I respect the hustle, though. And it certainly got a lot of people yeah, talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perhaps even more than his matches over the weekend did. I don't uh, know about that, but but I thought it was. I, I personally, I read more about the DMs than I did about the matches. But I haven't that seen him the winning the yet. U.S. belt. Uh, yeah. Holy cow! <laughs> what, what are you reading, Justin Morissette? You gotta, you gotta get on. Uh... My wrestling rumors are more concerned with, uh, I guess, people's dongs yeah, than hey, who's winning what. That's because I'm writing them. them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Our next question comes to us from uh, your co-host over there on Real Good Show, a man named John Collin, and John asks. What matchups would you like to see involving current superstars versus old ones, a la Rock versus Hogan? And I did follow up asking him if the if the competitors can be dead. Okay. Uh, I didn't end up taking that, but uh, so yeah, which matchups, Justin, would you like to see involving current superstars and old ones? Current superstars versus old ones. Yeah. Ooh. I mean, Sting is not dead, but he is retired. And I think there is probably a number of dream matches that he could have with a current crop of of new WWE guys. Like, I think Sting versus Bray Wyatt is not probably on the level of, like, Sting versus Undertaker is a dream match. but... But it's still probably, like, something that I would really enjoy. Yeah. Uh, And even, like, I mean, Seth... Got a pretty good match out of him. I would love to I see... I like that match a lot, actually. I would love to see... Hmm. Hmm. Oh, fuck. If, like, The Rock could come back... Yeah. They, like, I mean, the, the question's open. Yeah. Damn. The Rock versus AJ Styles, I think, is what I'll go with. Because I feel like, from both a microphone standpoint and an in-ring work rate perspective... Dude, if... If AJ Styles could get a like an incredible match, probably the best match at WrestleMania this year out of Shane McMahon, yeah, 
I don't care what Rock is able to do in the ring at this stage in his career. He's still in incredible shape. Maybe the best shape he's ever been in. The so only guy like, who looks like he's on more steroids once he left wrestling. Exactly. So from like a pure power perspective, he might actually be able to pull off even more impressive moves now than he was able to back in the day. But I think from a microphone standpoint and the match itself, there's nothing I would rather see than AJ Styles versus The Rock. And I feel like a cheat Picking AJ in like all of these questions, he is like a trump card. Week. But like at the same time, how can you not? He's number one, absolutely. What's your go-to here? Uh, I think that the the Macho Man. You're aware of him? No, uh, he's like a guy I've heard of. Before, he says, yeah. Uh, "Oh yeah." Yeah, and yeah. he's like always like snapping into Slim Jim. Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, uh, I love the Macho Man. I think uh, in ring tremendously ahead of his time. The the tassels, the glitter, the bright colors. I love it all. I want the Macho Man versus a man who would hate everything about the Macho Man, and that guy is Kevin Owens. Ooh. I want to see the Macho Man Randy Savage versus the new face of America Kevin Owens. Kevin just tearing him apart for being this out-of-touch, crazy person who dresses like a buffoon and Macho Man just doing his thing. I don't want him to change for the new era at all. I want 80s Macho Man, ooh, yeah, to Kevin Owens. I think this has, it's a perfection. And in that same vein, I'm going to throw out another one here. Come on, you're going three answers? No, no, I know. I feel bad doing it, but I want to see, just when you consider their personal politics, I can totally see this devolving into a, like, shoot fight. Okay. Two guys just Brutally kicking the shit out of each other. I honestly might prefer to see it as an MMA match than an actual wrestling match. This is a gentleman who is dead, so we're going to revive him for one last match and see the Ultimate Warrior take on Sami Zayn. (laughs) (laughs) Just like the furthest of the spectrum. We're taking the, the two guys who... There's no question from, like, a political perspective as human beings would absolutely detest each other. If you're going three deep, I'll go two deep in that. When they uh, teased it in that video game commercial, uh, Austin CM Punk felt like a dream match. It still feels like a dream match. Those guys going at each other on the mic and in the ring would be aces. So I'll throw that one out there, too. All right. We've got a question here from uh, Michael J. Foist at Foist to Last. I asked him how to pronounce his last name. And we've been getting it right the whole time. He says, what is your favorite match that you would consider to be underrated? There was one that came very quickly to my mind for this. Uh, I don't know that this is the underrated match. And underrated is a tough word because underrated by who? I, I don't know what Meltzer gave this for stars. I'm just going for matches that I don't see talked about all that much that to me I think are really top shelf. So so for me, I'm going uh, all the way back to 2001. How old were you in 2001? Uh, I would have been 14 at the time. I think I was 30-something. grade 9. Oh, man, a great year. Uh, Unforgiven 2001 has a a match for the hardcore title between Rob Van Dam and Chris Jericho. This is a match that when I was younger and watched, I was just floored by. And when I got home today, I rewatched this match to see if it still holds up as well as it did in my mind. Oh boy, does it. And I know that they had a Raw match that is talked about. You know, people say, oh, Chris Jericho, Rob Van Dam. This was their definitive match to me. I love it. Go back, Unforgiven 2001, Chris Jericho, and Rob Van Dam. Now, I also had a match that jumped out at me when I... Uh, heard this question as well. And I've brought this match up to people in the past and had them kind of like roll their eyes at me. As oh, like, here we go. Oh, whatever. This is just uh, a, just some plain old TV match that I'm getting all worked up about. But for my money, in my original, uh, original initial run as a wrestling fan watching WWE between 1998 and 2001, 
the best match that I ever saw, uh, whether it be on television or pay-per-view for that matter, oh, wow. was the main event. I think it was the main event. I can't see anything going on after it anyways. Of a Monday Night Raw that aired on June 11th, 2001. And I hate to call any uh, match involving this particular gentleman underrated because there's a reason that he's probably underrated at this point. No one wants to talk about him because he killed himself and his family. Obviously, that's a big strike against you. You're a huge piece of shit, and it's tough to celebrate uh, your in-ring work when you are such an awful human being who did the worst thing that any wrestler will probably ever do. Let's hope so. In history. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we can only hope. Yeah. uh, but that is, of course, uh, Chris Benoit being the gentleman uh, making up ha- one half of this match, and the other half of it is Kurt Angle, yeah, Kurt and Angle. it took place inside a steel cage. Yeah. Both of the guys did insane yeah, spots off the top of the cage. I think Benoit did the headbutt, and Angle did the moonsault, both, both off, off the, the top of the cage. And just the ring work itself, uh, from a technical perspective, if you're a guy who loves like spot fests, it certainly is that as a match, but it's also an incredible uh, just show between two guys who, if we're being honest about it, are probably two of the best technical wrestlers of all time. Yeah, they're in there. Uh, and so it's no surprise that they would put on one hell of a show, but yeah, it's I, I, whenever people ask me what my favorite matches are this is one that always comes up and i people always look at me weird that i would pick something that's not even yeah. off of a pay-per-view but there are occasionally and it's more rare back in the day when raw was a two-hour show that you'd see something this match is 20 minutes long which is kind of nuts yeah for a monday night raw match on a, in back in the two-hour era uh, but it's, you know, they, they gave it the time because they wanted to do it justice because they knew that these guys can work and they certainly put on one hell of a show. Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit inside a steel cage on Monday Night Raw, June 11th, 2001. Just that point about great Raw matches. Uh, in what I could only consider one of the best feuds of the modern era, Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins, their best match for me was on Raw. They, they had a match uh, that if Dean won, he would get added to a match. I don't remember what the stipulation was, but gosh, that was, that was a barn burner. Well, we have one last question here, Josh. We sure do. Comes to us from our friend, Matt Prince. Hello, Matty. Matt Prince Pretty, Mr. Matty Pie. And he asks, Mark Henry comes back in a luchador mask with a luchador moveset. Book his first program and name him. I mean, this, this is perfect. What what could you possibly say about this question? This is this is the perfect question. It is. It is one of the best questions we've ever received. I think there's no doubt about it. I'm gonna leave this to you first because I know you are a gentleman uh, that has a lot of Mark Henry feelings. I got a lot of feelings about Mark Henry, which is to say, I love Mark Henry. I think you could talk about this for at least five minutes, and at the end of that, still have a lot left in the tank. Oh, just you wait. <laughs> So, my booking involves Bo Dallas being freed up. Okay. Okay. I need Bo Dallas no longer in the Miz Taraj. Let's pretend he never joined. Okay? okay. He's still gone off TV, but he's still Bo Leave. Okay. He does the two thumbs, runs around the ring. He's Bo okay. Leave. Okay. And Mark Henry, this is not – Mark Henry's entire career has happened. Okay. He's, he's Mark Henry, post-Hall of Pain, all this sort of thing. Mm. But he's been off TV for a while. So, you have Mark Henry come out and challenge some heel on Raw. Oh, I've had enough. You Maybe even in Texas. Somewhere he's going to get a big reaction. He's still Mark Henry at this point. Okay. He hasn't put the mask on yet. He loses in a squash to whatever heel. I don't care which Braun, one it is. Braun, let's say. Sure, let's Braun. say Braun. Just crushes Mark Henry. Braun walks away. 
And Mark looks dejected in the ring. He's he's sad. He's maybe on the verge of tears. And someone hands him a mic. He goes, I know I told you guys I had a lot left in the tank, but I got to be honest to the WWE universe. You know, the, the you guys have been there for me the whole time. And, and maybe I just can't get it done anymore. Bo Dallas's music hits. Tells Mark Henry he just has to Bo leave. He still has it in him. He was a world champion. He was the Hall of Pain. He's been on how many WrestleManias? And they leave. Cut to three weeks of monologue or of uh, vignettes. Okay. Of Bo Dallas training Mark Henry on bicycles, lifting weights. He's got a Bo leave. He's yelling. Da 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 da. He's three weeks of this. Okay. So, so think sort of the backland Darren Young make Darren Young great again. Yeah. But you're actually seeing them do the work. And like, yeah, they're probably going to be in the same space at the same time. Which yeah. Darren Young and Backlund literally never were. Inexplicably. It's so fucking weird. So there's all these training montages. And on the fourth week, right before the debut, Bo Dallas says one more thing. And he hands Mark Henry a luchador mask. Mark Henry, and you don't see him put it on. Mexican music hits later on Mm -hmm. in the show. Mm -hmm. And out comes Bo Dallas to introduce... El Marco Henrio. <laughs> Mark Henry now comes out working a full lucha move set. He, everything is high flying. This is the world's strongest man who, under the tutelage of not a luchador, Bo Dallas, somehow is now a Mexican luchador. And he comes out and he, he goes, obviously, on a world title run. World title? Or universal title, I suppose. Okay. He's draw. Okay. Uh, well, I am not going to have a big established backstory for, uh, like, the lead-up to him putting on the mask. Are you going to have a better name than El Marco Henry? I think so. <laughs> okay, I, let's I see. think so. Wait, what did you think of my idea? I, I, I'm into it. I think it's good. I'm looking if, at you. Don't I don't, I don't, I don't know it. that it, it's great for, like, a universal title run, but I could definitely see him, like, being back in the IC picture. You're right. Maybe, the maybe like, a unified title is more... <laughs> He's the guy to bring the belts back together, Marco Henrio. Uh, but I think Mark Henry is going to come out on Raw one week, and he is going to be furious that this is a three-hour show every week, and he's going to acknowledge. He's going to break kayfabe and say, and it's done a great job of booking its undercard lately. But even in spite of that, there's still <laughs> apparently no room for Mark Henry on this show. Well, if they're not going to find room for me... In the, as a heavyweight, <laughs> then I need to join the cruiserweights. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna, he's somehow going to have to do a weigh in. Okay. Like we're, we're gonna do like a, probably a bunch of like weight loss training okay. segments where he's like lifting weights or whatever, but also not at the same time. He's like lifting chicken wings into his mouth. Okay. So like he's working out, but he's also eating really unhealthy sort food. Sort of a at mixed the same message. Time. Exactly, exactly. So it looks like. Like he's taking it seriously, but he's not also. But somehow they're going to just gimmick the weight scale when he weighs in. And he is somehow much like uh, much like uh, Cedric Alexander was able to. Right. He's going to come in at under 205 pounds, <laughs> despite the fact that he's clearly he's gonna look identical, somewhere in right? the 400s. Look identical, not have <laughs> lost a single pound. And he's wearing a mask now because he... he Despite the fact that he made his, like, declaration that he was going to enter the cruiserweights, he doesn't want anyone to know that it's him. So he's coming out in a lucha mask. He's got lucha music. And his new name (laughs) is Enrique El Fuerte. (laughs) Strong. Which is Henry the Strong. (laughs) 
<laughs> Can you say his full name again? Enrique El Fuerte. <laughs> and why Enrique? Because uh, you took Marco, basically. <laughs> so I had to go for Henry. Uh, yeah. Oh, Enrique El Fuerte. He's got Spanish music, and he's here to take on the best and prove himself as the best cruiserweight. Does he become and cruiserweight champ? I, I think eventually he does, but he starts week to week by just taking on some low-level, kind of like the, the jobbers of 205 Live. Sure. Guys like, uh, you know... Um, nice. Tony Nice, but I'm thinking uh, Lince Dorado. Oh, Dorado. Because he's going to focus specifically on like the Lucha-style guys. <laughs> and what we are building here is eventually to a big-time feud. This is going to be something that is going to be for the Cruiserweight title at WrestleMania. It's going to be Enrique El Fuerte against Grand Metalik. Of course. And this is how we finally get Grand Metalik on Raw in a big-time program and demonstrate not just his ability as a cruiserweight, but probably his strength as a performer as well because uh, whether he's able to or not, I think Grand Metalik probably can do some impressive power moves on Mark Henry, provided that Mark like jumps into them Maybe. for him, possibly. I just want... Grand Metalik to be a star because the guy is probably one of the most impressive workers on the entire WWE roster. Yeah. And they are letting the fact that he doesn't speak English like hinder him from even being on television at all. We're going to lean into that by having Mark Henry try and not speak English as well. He's going to basically speak Spanglish because I don't trust him <laughs> yeah. to not to like speak Spanish fully, but it's going to be broken English. So he's going to like try to speak Spanish, but when he gets to a word that he doesn't know, like <laughs> he just, in, says, just says the English word. Can I add one thing to your booking? Absolutely. I think you've missed something that could really, really cinch this as a mania program. Uh, okay. It has to be mask versus mask. Yes. <laughs> yes. And Henry is. has to win. It is an unmasking... <laughs> No, no, this is... The whole point of this is to get Grand Metal League over. And yes, the, he is going to beat Mark Henry at WrestleMania to win the Cruiserweight title for the first time because Mark Henry has it heading into Mania. Uh, Grand Metal League is going to win and Mark Henry is going to be unmasked. And I don't want this moment to be played for comedy. I want it to... I mean, it's going to be comedic because they're going to play it straight. Because yeah. they're going to act like... Oh my God! How could we have possibly <laughs> known that Enrique El Fuerte was Mark Henry all this time? <laughs> I love it. Uh, and yeah, that's my that's my fantasy booking to not just get Mark Henry over for one last fun run that is both a show of strength and a comedy run because he's been pretty good at comedy over the course of for his sure. career as well. Got a lot uh, left in the tank. But he's going out on his back, establishing a brand new star who. Uh, is pure money, and it is just a shame that week in and week out they do not do more with this guy. Grand Metal League is going to uh, be the ultimate star coming out of this program. And I think Mark will be very happy uh, getting him over in the process as well. Am I wrong that high-flying Mark Henry is like the perfect pro wrestler? Um... <laughs> Yeah, I think that these cruiserweights could all get pretty good matches out of him, honestly. You know, you know that Huracurana to the outside spot TJP does? Yeah. I want Henry to do that. I want even to see him attempt, like, the the springboard, like, <laughs> moonsault that, uh, that Naomi does as her, it. like, finisher. I want Mark Henry to even try and do that. Thank you all so much for your questions this week. Those were uh, a riot. Yeah, we had a great time. Another big show. A big pod feel. I feel like we're getting more comfortable with this every single week. I mean, each week I say that it's the best episode we've ever done and maybe the best podcast I've ever listened to. But this week I'm willing to say 
This is probably the best thing ever committed to audio. And now we have a big show again, as we mentioned, coming up this yeah. Monday. Look forward to our interviews with ECCW stars. I'm very happy with that. But before that episode drops, of course, the folks have a big pay-per-view on the way with Great Balls of Fire this Sunday. Uh, how should we live our lives, Josh? What kind of advice do you have for us to get uh, to this Sunday? Because, like, there's going to be some days of the week yeah. between now and then. And, like, I just don't know what to do with myself. How should I live my life? Justin, it's a great question. But all, the only thing I can think of is great balls of fire. Fire is hot. Fire is spicy. Fire tastes great. Fire, fire is, is curry, man! man!